0: Let's pray. God, open our minds, open our hearts, open up our best laid plans, and inject the power of your Holy Spirit for hope, for joy, for peace that transcends all understanding. God, unless you speak to us today, nothing of value will be said. So give me your words to speak, and keep me completely out of your way. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no such thing as a stupid question. Have you heard this before? I'm not sure that's necessarily true. But the idea is that it's worse to pretend to know or to stay intentionally in ignorance um, or to not care, than to take the time and effort and humility to ask. The Gospel of Mark is not kind in its assessment of the disciples. If you've been paying attention these last weeks, you'll see time and time again that, that to Mark, the disciples are kind of a bunch of bumbling idiots They keep getting it wrong. There's lots of little asides, like, they did not understand, and you just can almost see the eye roll in the passage, right? They didn't get it. Lots of examples of their ineptitude. This morning's gospel is no different. It begins with the disciples hearing this incredibly intense teachings of Jesus, and yet afraid to ask the hard questions that would illuminate their hearts about Jesus' path and subsequently their own path as followers and disciples of Jesus. They chose to stay in the dark. And then, not only that, but in order to stay there, they decided to distract themselves with one of humanity's most favorite pastimes, flexing about who's the best. It's come so naturally. Little kids, little kids do it all the time, right? It's so natural. I'm faster than you. I can do this better than you. That's what it sounded like, what they were doing. I'm sure that the conversation probably ended something like I'm rubber and you're glue, or time's infinity, or something like that. It was that juvenile. Most of us as grownups, and some of us as children too, know that If we need to claim our importance or flex on others, that means that underneath that, we feel worthless or scared or both. There's always something underneath negative behaviors. They are emotional and spiritual symptoms, and they point to places that need healing. I think that that is what our gospel lesson indicates about the disciples, that they needed healing because they were a bunch of fearful and worthless feeling, yes, sometimes bumbling idiots, just like us. The inability of the disciples to ask the questions that were weighing on their hearts, the refusal to do that kept them from the answers that would set them free and allow them to walk forward into a new future. Maybe not without fear, maybe they still would have been afraid, but at least in the hope of God. We have questions we don't ask too, don't we? Hidden parts of ourselves that we don't even want to acknowledge, let alone ask about. We like to distract from these questions with flexing and arguing about things that don't matter too, don't we? We're afraid of these questions because we're afraid of the answers that we might get. It's similar to what James wrote about in our second reading this morning. All this business about unanswered prayers, it's not that God does not answer our prayers because there is something wrong with us and God's just like, sorry, I'm closed for the day. I've already answered my one billion prayers, and there's just no more prayers answered today. That's not how it works. It's that there's something wrong with the prayers that are being prayed, and what's wrong with the prayers that are being prayed is that they're rooted and grounded in things other than the love and grace of God. When our prayers originate in selfishness, greed, self-righteousness, these prayers cannot be answered. They might as well be letters to Santa. They become wish lists of self-service. The reasons we are afraid of the answers to the tough questions, they come from a similar place, a place of wanting to be comfortable, a place of wanting to stay on the surface and not get too deep. A place of wanting things to go the way we think they should go, the way we think that will be easiest. Places of self-righteousness and greed, fueled by fantasy and escapism. We don't want to ask the questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we're afraid that the answer will be that our good deeds will not protect us from our mortality. We don't want to ask if our loved ones will be okay because we're afraid to admit that we do not truly have the power to keep anyone safe. We do not want to ask what the prognosis is because then we would have to deal with the reality of it. And we don't want to ask the savior of the world what the point of all of this is when at our heart, at our core, where the thumbprint of God is, we can sense that something more revolutionary than we could ever have dared believe is true. And that if we really asked, Jesus would draw us close and say, Resurrection. We don't wanna hear that business about resurrection because that requires death and death requires suffering and we would rather not have that, thank you very much. We wanna hear blessing and goodness and no bad days and happy endings. But beloved of God, all of that is empty. It's bankrupt. It will not set you free. It will not be what you can cling to on your final day. I really wish I could tell you it was. I really do. It'd be so much fun to be like Oprah and be like, OK, everybody, look underneath your pews. We have another present today. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was church every, every Sunday? Instead, we get to draw close and sit in our questions and the sometimes confusing answers and live in the flow of the story of God and God's people that we tell over and over again year after year with a lectionary to our children to ourselves again with the word with our lives and with the art around us and the breath in our lungs that everything is grace. That the point of all of this is resurrection. That everything is redeemed, but in order to be redeemed, we have to face that it's broken. And there is so much beauty and truth and joy and hope in that, but it's also inextricable from the pain. It's never either or. The world is not black and white. It's always both and. And the journey is messy. That's not the answer that we want, but it's the answer that we need. Kids are excellent at asking questions. Most kids, at some point in their life, get in trouble for asking so many questions, right? It's the way that they learn. It's the way we all learn. But my eight-year-old right now is in an incredible season of asking some really good and tough questions. And I got to listen the other day as she asked Bo, why is there war, Daddy? I was thinking, oh man, I'm glad she asked him and not me. But Bo was amazing. And as he told her some of the complexities of human interaction and politics, and as he explained something as horrible and really nonsensical at the end of the day as war, The answers revealed the truth and he ended with, you know, it's just really stupid, honey. It's really terrible and it's really evil. Jesus said at the end of our gospel lesson this morning that to welcome children was to welcome him and to welcome him was to welcome the one who sent him. In the first century, children had no social status and the first century was all about social status. Children had a high mortality rate, so many of them would not even make it to adulthood, their future was unknown, and their presence was expendable. But Jesus, in the face of his disciples' fear of asking the hard questions, and their subsequent flexing about who was the greatest, took someone who represented the most marginalized, the most worthless, the most without status, the most hopeless, the most mortal and said, when you welcome one such as this, you welcome the savior of the world. You welcome the creator and sustainer of the world. You welcome God. Children may not have a lot of social status, but they know how to ask the tough questions. And they're really good at living in the moment. And they may not have power, but they're teachable and they're malleable, and they're growing. I don't know what questions you're afraid of asking, and I'm not even sure if there's answers to them this side of heaven, but I do know that sitting in faith in the questions is better than trying to cover up our fear with comparing ourselves, with trying to connect with others in ways that, that, that are superficial. And I do know that to connect with God is to welcome in that which does not confirm our superiority or impenetrable social standing or safety. I know that there is nothing that God cannot redeem and that death is nothing but a doorway to more love. So ask those questions, beloved. And while the answers are not the ones we may have hoped for, not the answers to our fantasies, they will be the answers that set us free. To be mortal, yet embedded in internal life. To be broken and yet healers. To be afraid and yet full of courage to know that no matter what the questions or the answers, we belong to God, and as such, we are God's hands and feet on earth. You belong. That is your forever answer. You are beloved. Amen.